Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. That is what we're trying to do. Together respond to His great love. Uh, it's so good to be with you. If you don't know me, I'm Brian Wren, your transition lead pastor. And we have just begun uh, to explore His great love. We're in week two of together responding to his great love. And if you're just joining us, it's a great time to actually jump in. Our analogy um, that we're using for this whole series in July and August stems from a well. That God's love is like what? It's like a well. And it's this well that we can keep coming back to. And as we explore the book of 1 John, what we're wanting to do is keep taking our souls. And this is where this analogy goes farther. This is the bucket of our souls, that if we continue to take our souls to the well of his great love, we can receive his love, and then we can actually release it. If you look up on the screen, you'll see the core passage out of 1 John. And this core passage is out of chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we could be called children of God, and that is what we are. We're wanting us as a church as we come back together uh, in this post-COVID season and hopefully not back into any new COVID season, we're yearning to find really healing for us as a church and direction, and we need his great love. We so, so, so need his great love because here's why. We can't be the church well. We will not be a good church. We can't be the church well Unless we what? Love well. Did you hear that? Like we can't be the church well unless we love well. So we got to keep going back and back and back to the great well of God's love. And if we do that, um, I think God will use us as a church. He'll heal us as a church. And he'll really show us our direction as a church. And that's what we're going after. And so... As we study 1 John, last week we jumped in, looked at this main passage, but we began to look at these streams that you find of his great love that go into the well that we can tap into. There's actually 12 streams. We looked at the first three last week, life, fellowship, and joy. And this week we look at the loving streams of his light, which was read about, and his forgiveness. And today, as a result of his great love, I'm calling you to a great response. At the end of this message, we're going to come to really the waters of grace and forgiveness. And I'm going to ask you to do some time of confessing. You have a little sheet of paper that's in your pew. And I want you just to grab this right now. You'll see it. It should be in the holders in your pew. Just make sure you have one. And this represents you confessing your sin to God and putting it into the waters. And I'll explain that in just a bit. But let's start there with forgiveness. God's love comes in the form of light and it comes in a form of forgiveness. I want you to ponder your journey of forgiveness. What's your journey of forgiveness been? Mine starts back in my 20s when I really needed the waters of his loving forgiveness. For I had accumulated by my 20s sin that was like plaque. Can you relate to plaque? We can all relate to plaque. But sin is a lot like plaque that it sticks to us. And it starts to create decay if we don't deal with it. And that decay comes in guilt that we carry and shame. 
Guilt is, you're just, you're wrong. Like, we're guilty of things. But shame are these labels we put on ourselves that in essence, it's guilt that sticks over time and we won't get rid of and it becomes part of our identity. And here's what I thought about myself at that point. I didn't like who I'd been and who I was becoming. Back in my early 20s, I'd broken trust with people and I didn't trust myself. And I thought, how in the world could I ever get clean and start anew? Are you with me? The plaque builds up, the shame and guilt gets on you. And how do I ever get rid of this? And it was early on after my faith had come alive. I give God all the credit for my faith, not myself. I feel like he injected faith into me in my early 20s in a way that, oh, did I need. And it was at that point I came across our key passage for today. You'll see it on the screen. Hold your hand like this. This is, you might know this passage, but this is a handful and worth holding on to because it speaks to his great love, all right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. You can remember that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I would encourage you, if you're a grandparent, get that passage into your grandkids. If you don't know that passage, oh, we're going to challenge kids in the next gathering to memorize and kids in this gathering. If you memorize it and you get to one of our family or student ministry folks, they're going to reward you during the months of July and the months of August because this passage is life-changing if we respond to it well. And so many of you have, but we got to keep responding to it. So I found when I got in touch with this passage, I found every so often I would sit with my journal and I would write out, my past and present sins of God. That was a new habit for me. And in that, here's what I found. Confession cleanses. Confession cleansed my soul back then. But it's something I can continue to do. It was as if I took my dirty, hole-ridden bucket. If you weren't with us last week, these holes represent the holes in our souls. Our buckets aren't pure. Our buckets aren't complete. We leak so even when we put this into the well of God, we don't get all the love out because of our brokenness, our skewed views of God, and our sinfulness. But the more I put my bucket in, the more it filled up because some of those holes were even restored in some mysterious way that I can't even tell you how, but I know they work it would happen to me. And I was washed clean and I could pull more of the love of God from his well and then I could actually pour more of the love out onto other people. There's such power in getting our souls cleaned. Fast forward, I came then in touch a little bit later in my walk with God with the story of David. David was a king, and he is supposedly a man after what? God's own heart. But he, as the king, as the leader, commits adultery and murder. That was hard for me to accept. But he goes on to pen a psalm to get rid of his guilt and shame. You'll see it up on the screen, Psalm 51. And here's just some parts. This is what he cries out. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my inequities. He's putting his bucket into the well. And cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. This was a disappointing story when I first came across it. A man who is known as one who seeks God's heart more than other, but he did this? 
But this is what I then learned. Hmm. Although it made me question if David really had a heart for God, it made me realize that Jeremiah 17.9 was true when it says the heart is deceitful and dark. Our hearts aren't pure, but we can keep coming back in attempting to make them pure in the presence of God. And this is what David was doing. And so this made me realize that ongoing confession, not just one time, but ongoing confession endlessly leads me back into what? God's truth and then his light. Fast forward then, uh, married a bunch of years and I came across another passage and I was involved in a men's group and this passage was about confession and this passage was out of James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I began to realize that this is the crazy verse of the Bible. All right? You want me to confess my sins to another? Oh, no, Lord, I'll keep mine to myself. And how about just you? But then I would be around men and I would watch men confess sin to others and I would see them become cleansed and released and changed and free. And then I went on a marriage retreat and they said it was a small marriage retreat. There was like 10, less than, there was 10 of us. So that meant five couples. And one day they said, hey, we want you to go with your spouse out on the gracious waters of that river and we want you to confess to each other unconfessed sin to your spouse. Oh, that's a great day, isn't it? That'll be a great afternoon on the water. Wow. They said, go have time and think about it individually and then meet each other in the dock and get in your canoe. Oh, great Scott, help me. <laughs> or Lord, help me. So we get to the dock, we get in, we sit down, and I did the admirable thing to do. Honey, would you like to go first? <laughs> But I wasn't surprised. My wife says to me, I have nothing new to tell you. You know all my past and unconfessed sins. And I went, that's why I married her. Darn it. And then I said, honey, sit down. My list is probably as long as this river, so let's start rowing. And so we began. But there was this moment when I experienced the power of this verse Whereas uh, I was shedding tears and was really releasing guilt and shame, my wife leaned forward to me, put her hand on my shoulder, and she said, as we were gliding down the river, you can stop now. I don't need to hear anything else. You're forgiven. And I lived that verse. That's God's grace. And what I realize about that, confession restores relationships. So after 30 years of trying to walk with God and 25 years of pastoring to people and sitting in their own confessions, whether it's individuals or couples, the more I believe this line, and this line I want you to hold on today, hold on to today, in the darkness of confession, one finds the true depth, the true depth of God's love. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? It was just like on that boat. What did I find? Love. But in the darkness of our confession, one finds the true depth of God's love. For this reason, it cleanses our souls. It leads us back into truth and light that we need to be revealed. 
to us, and it restores relationships. There's so much power in it. And PCC, if together we are PCC, is going to really play out, I think we have to get very authentic with God in ourselves. Because I know in a group of this size, there's division between us. And I know in a group of this size, because we're just people, remember, there is unconfessed sin in your own lives. And I don't say that to guilt us. I say that to just encourage us. And I believe we can't move forward as a body unless we become a confessing body. Because that's what a healthy church does. Remember, we can't love well unless we keep going to the well. And part of that includes confession. So where are you today with confession? How often is it a habit in your life? How often do you take an inventory of your unconfessed sin? And do you believe it is where you actually meet God's great love when you do? In the book of 1 John, there's these eight lines, eight verses. And I want us to look at them now because they convey the benefits and consequences of confessing. You just heard them read, but let's read them through. And I've added a little parenthesis because what you're going to see is two bookends that are the first and last passage. And then in between, eight, or excuse me, six if-then statements. You'll see them as we go along. Here's the first bookend. This is the message we have declared This is the message we have heard from him, and we declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. That's the opening bookend. Here's the first if-then statement. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from what? All unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned and we make him out to be a liar and, his, and, make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. These eight passages can be summed up in this next slide. And it might look complicated, but I want you to grasp this because there was so much here. And when you just read it through, it's so hard to grasp. So I'm summarizing this in a way that I feel you can walk away with it today. Do you see the bookends? God, the Father, is light. That's verses 1 John 1, 5. Do you see the, the latter bookend? Jesus, the Son, is the atoning sacrifice. That's verse 2, 2 in 1 John. Between those, he's declaring the benefits in consequences of not being authentic with God. Because let's go back to the top. God the Father is light. There's this gift that we're given by God and his love that he is light. He is everything pure. And he knows that we as people, because of the holes in our soul, there's darkness in us. But in his love, he has provided this way out to his light. His light is always there for us to head into. 
You go back into the Psalm, Psalm 105. Many of you know this passage. Thy word is a lamp into my feet and a what? Light into my path. There's this best pathway. I love that phrasing in the Bible. There's this best, best pathway. But we get derailed by darkness. <laughs> but there's this way always back to the light. And the light is always best for us. And God is yearning for us to get there. But you can see the first negative consequence if we don't. Look at it in the orange on the screen. And I have a negative next to it. If we claim to have fellowship with him, that's what verse uh, 6 is saying, but we remain in the light, you know what that's called? Double living, all right? That's called duality. That's called being double-minded. That's called my whole early 20s, all right? Where Sunday to Wednesday... I lived with my Christian brothers, okay? Thursday through Saturday, I lived with some other folks and did life with them. And I had to work that out. I realized in my 20s, it was much more obvious. I realized now in my 50s, it all plays out in here. I have fellowship with him, but boy, you should get in my mind and experience the dark thoughts I think about myself and about others and about a lot of things. And I have to go to him and to convey those, to get out of that double life or it leads me astray. And the actual scripture says then, if I don't do it, then we lie. And then the truth's not in me anymore. I'm not living by the light or truth. But look what it says, the next positive statement. But if we, claim, if we walk in the light, what do we have? We have fellowship with one another Better fellowship with all of us. Remember, together we are PCC. We need to come as cleansed as we can, confessed up and honest with God so that we live more pure with each other and then more purely with him. That will help our healing and that will help our direction as we head into this future. And it then goes on to say this. We're purified. We live pure. Look at the next negative. If we claim to be without sin, it says then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in, in us. If we claim to be without sin, we just, we're just living in total deception. This reminds me of a picnic. My kid's like third grade. It's a school function. And a family that we know that has their kids in our school, each child care after school programs there. And I love this family. And we're sitting around having a picnic. And she, the mom gets honest with me and she says, Brian, I just want you to know, I'll send my kid to the school age child care program and swim and gym in the summer, but I'll never let him set foot in your church. I'm like, why? She goes, you think people are bad and have, you believe in this original sin concept. And I went, yeah, we do believe in that. And it was a very frank conversation. I said, but hold on. Let's call her Jill. I said, Jill, my kid showed up broken. She's like, what do you mean? I go, well, by the age of two, I was having to teach them how to tell the truth. They came liars, right? Like, and she smiled. And I said, isn't that true about your kids too? And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, 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 it's probably true. I'm like, no, it's really true. We show up broken. We all show up liars. I don't have to tell my kids how to tell. I don't have to tell my kids how to lie. That comes embedded in them. That's the operating system. Hole in the soul, okay? I have to tell my kids how to tell the truth. I have to teach them how to tell the truth. We all sin. Let's just face it. But there's this light that we can go to. Look at the best verse in the midst of all this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he'll purify, and he'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you realize in every one of the positive statements, it says he'll purify you? You're seen as pure. Look at the last negative. 
if we claim to have not sinned, this is just living in denial. You sin and you're too prideful to acknowledge it. It's not that you don't believe you sin. It's this, you just, well, I I didn't do anything wrong. That wasn't a bad thought. No, no. It says at that point we make God to be out to be a liar. I'm not even sure how that is, but that seems more severe than I'm a liar. We make God to be out to be a liar. And it says once again, the truth is not in us. But look at what the final positive. If we sin, and we will, right? Come on, let's just face it. We have this advocate. You know what advocate means? Advocate means one who pleads our case, who goes before the Father and says, it's okay, I got this for them. Let them go. Pleads our case. And then what also is called, Jesus there is called the atoning sacrifice. So he pleads for us and then he atones for us. To atone means to cover or repair. He makes reparation for us. And we know that came through his death and sacrifice. So again, where are you? With the loving waters of forgiveness. Because Jesus gave us the ability to access the well of God's great love of forgiveness. It's as if he's the rope on our soul that's attached that lets us go way down deep and experience the waters and come back out and then with his help, dispense it to others and release it. Where are you with that today? Because remember, in the darkness, I need you to hold this line today of our confession one finds the true depth of God's love, the true depth of it. And in order for us to move forward into our own healing and bonding as a body in the direction that God has for us, we've got to get so good at this so that we are in step with the Spirit and in step with one another. So here's the big challenge today. I need you to ponder where you are with this. I need you to come forward and actually experience this. Now, this week, you can do this on your own, but I'm about to call you to it. And this week, I would love for you to go back through this passage, use the simple practice of Lectio Divina, read it slowly through, reflect on it, let the words rise up that stick to you, thank God for those, and just rest in his lavishness of his love. I'd love for you to consider every day using this word. It's on our chalkboard at home. We're still not very good at using it. But this, this, this every day asking yourself this question, how did I receive and release the love of God today? Did I receive it? I laid in bed about Tuesday morning. It took me to about Tuesday morning to actually receive his love in, the, in my week. I didn't do it really on Sunday. I didn't feel like I did it Monday. But Tuesday morning I laid there and I was thinking about his lavishness and I was thinking about my life and I felt like I received it. I was more able to release it that day. Is unconfessed sin part of the reason you're held back from receiving his love? Isn't it crazy? If you confess, you'll receive his love. He loves you already. You're just, remember what confession is? The term means to agree. You just meet him there. But here's what I want you to do now. I want this piece of paper to symbolize sin in your life, a true sin in your life. You can even write your sin. Some of these are easier to write on your pews or not. You could write a sin here. And if you're a regular with this, I would love for you to write a personal sin on here or the first side just be symbolic of a personal sin and on the back side a corporate sin. 
Or is there something corporately that you're aware of within us? Think of words like bitterness, the need for control, idolatry, despair, jealousy, sexual immorality, following false teaching, pride, fear, judgment, division. What's going on in you that you need to confess to God? And I think about us. We all have preferences. That would be like a corporate sin that we would confess. Some of us didn't like our last Be the Bridge series and have thoughts on that. Some of us loved us. That caused a divide in us. Let's confess that and get that out of here so we can move forward together. Some of you don't have other thoughts on PCC. I don't even know what it is, all right? Some of you might not like me. Just confess that and treat me nice and let's move forward together, all right? That's fine, you know? Some of you don't like each other. Let's confess that and move forward together. Let's not get that get in the way. We're all imperfect people trying to walk in the way of the Lord. And then here's what's wonderful. I want you to come. You put that in. And you're going to see there's some mysterious Holy Spirit power in that paper. And it disappears. It really will disappear. Just stir it a little. Some paper takes longer than others. And appreciate the fact that that's what God does. It's not there anymore. You can't see that. You'll see when you come experience. It's not there anymore. If you're new to, and this is your first time to come forward and actually receive the mercy of God, it's as simple as ABC. Acknowledge that God loves you. Believe that what Jesus did on the, cr on the cross makes him your advocate and makes him the atoning sacrifice. And just come confess. And then as you walk back, Lord, I commit to walk with you. So will you do that now? I'm going to ask uh, Ken and his team to come up, and they're playing music. You just walk down, grab the stick, stir away what you put in there, whether it's an individual or corporate sin you're confessing. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we acknowledge your goodness, and we acknowledge that you Oh, are the one who takes away the sins of the world, Lord. Thank you for that last line today. The atoning sacrifice, not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Lord, rise up in us what we need to confess now. It's personal, something we've done wrong in action or in thought. And then, Lord, maybe something we know about in this congregation, that we confess that and help release it as a whole for us. In the end, God, may your will and work be done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come forward when you're ready. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.